0: Hi, everybody, and thanks for joining our weekly podcast. I'm Robin Lewis, founder and CEO of The Robin Report, and along with my co-host, Shelly Cohan, um, who's also an associate professor at Fashion Institute of Technology, we welcome you to today's conversation, and a little strange when three plus three does not equal six. <laughs> Shelley, you know, I like the, that yeah it, to you know to examine and add insights into a big current event is really one of the things we we are all about, right? I mean it, 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 we get the big events and, and we do add insights. And in my mind, I I think one of the most uh, significant and arguably more questionable events over the past week, was the announcement that Tapestry is going to acquire Capri. Yes. Uh, Yeah. It's it's, dollar-wise, investment-wise, the numbers aren't that big, but it is a huge event um, combining questionable brands into one house. Anyway, uh, Joanne... And I have a hard time pronouncing her name. Um, do you know how to pronounce her name, Shelley? Joanne Kravis Crayvois Krayvois. Uh she is the CEO and former CFO of Tapestry. And uh, she oversees the brands uh, Coach, Stuart Weissman, and Kate Spade. And John Idol is current CEO of Capri and former CEO of Michael Kors. Right. Which, by the way, Shelley, we'll get to, but it offers an interesting backstory uh, during his tenure running uh, Michael Kors. And um, as head of Capri, uh, in addition to Michael Kors, uh, Capri also has Versace and uh, Jimmy Choo in its stable. Um, and by the way, Idle was getting ready to retire or leave his role as CEO of Capri, <clears throat> but he decided to stay until d- the deal with Tapestry uh, is completed. So as Cravois uh, was former CFO of ta- uh, Tapestry, I believe her financial skills um, see a real opportunity in the combination uh, both uh, synergistically and strategically. She believes there will be a $200 million savings uh, generated by marketing and operational sharing over the next three years. And she sees an immediate bump in combined sales as uh, as Tapestry pays $8.5 billion for Capri and the new combined company, um, will be a $12 billion company. Okay, but a question I have is, um, as astute financially as she probably is, the question hangs out there, does she have uh, the strategic chops, so to speak? I don't know, um, because I don't know her that well. Does she really understand the brand positioning of all six of those combined brands? their evolution, uh, where they would be categorically, are they luxury, faux luxury, or hmm. expressive luxury? <laughs> are they aspirational lux- luxury or accessible luxury? I mean, how many number levels do you have to have here? <laughs> anyway, um, and um, who is their core consumer, and how do they value these? combined brands. Yeah, and also, in what distribution channels do they expect to find uh, these brands? Um, in department stores? Specialty stores? Luxury stores? Off-price <laughs> or outlet stores? So, in addition to leadership, I think she has to be able to answer all of those questions, Shelly, and we, we know that. It's, it, it's not an easy job as well as her long-term vision for the combined brands. Because if she and her teams don't have a handle on what they have today, from all perspectives, how they got here, and what they plan for the future, then it's going to be a real struggle to uh, profitably grow that business. So, Shelly, right out of the box, uh, my opinion, I will tell you that neither Coach, or Michael Kors are classic or truly luxury brands. They began as such, but they found a path downward. Mm. And at one point in their race down, roughly 70% of their revenues were coming from outlet stores. Let me tell you, no luxury brand has 70% of their revenue is coming out of outlet stores or they're no longer luxury brands. And certainly they're not in the class of LVMH caring or other truly defined iconic uh, luxury brands. It's a joke.
1: Yeah. Well, Robin, this recent kind of a big deal is very controversial and there's a lot of pundits getting out into the oxygen, <clears throat> so to speak, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Neil Saunders, who you know, the Managing Director of Global Data, and he's considered a great source for strategic insights for the industry. He was quoted as saying, Tapestry and Capri's earlier moves, coach acquiring Kate Spade and then they purchased uh, Stuart Weitzman, constituted an attempt to achieve the quote-unquote house of brands approach seen in Europe, which enables companies like LVMH and Caring to exert significant power and influence. Yet both have remained small by global standards and lack the heft of their European luxury rivals. Yep. And if you go into his further commentary, he's a bit more blunt. <laughs> and he says that Michael Kors is a mess. It's a declining Please, brand. Wait, 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 wait.
0: He said what? Michael, Michael
1: Kors is a mess. <laughs> it's a declining yeah. brand. Yeah. Um, While well-known, doesn't have a clear position in the marketplace, lacks the prestige of many other luxury labels. And Michael Kors is by far the biggest chunk of Capri's revenue. And this will be a big problem for the new group to solve. This is what Neil Saunders said. So um, to that point, Michael Kors comprises of like 69 percent of Capri's business. And as you mentioned, Coach is 74 percent of um, Tapestry's volume. So, what does that tell us, Robin? And I agree with you, Robin. I think this new conglomerate being compared to LVMH or caring is it's it's a joke in some regards. I just don't see it. The model of the two merged companies, it is not diversified, nor is it specific enough. It's kind of a little all over the place. So, in other words, you know, LVMH, and I've been writing a lot about LVMH for years. Yep. They have one of the most diversified business models. They have over 75 brands across five major business segments, wine and spirits, fashion, leather, beauty. Perfumes is a huge business for them, as you know, watches, jewelry. And then they have their kind of small retail like Sephora, Le Bon Marche, DFS. And, and this doesn't mention their kind of other activities like travel and some other things they're doing. Yeah, so. LVMH brought in eighty-six billion dollars in U.S. dollars in sales, and they have a market cap. Get this, Robin: four hundred and fifty-six billion dollars.
0: Wow! In yeah. twenty
1: twenty-two, the profits were up. Twenty, the profits were up twenty-three percent.
0: Yeah, I mean, to, to even put Capri and Tapestry in the same <laughs> language, I mean, totally crazy. Anyway, go ahead.
1: And then, and then I look at Caring which is like the opposite of LVMH. And they're super, very specifically focused on luxury. That's all they do. And they're beefing up that portfolio because they recently said they're going to get a 30% stake in Valentino. So it has a very focused portfolio and did about $20 billion in 2022. Yep. So the big get bigger and better. Yep. LVMH may be making a play for Bergdorf Goodman. That would be a huge acquisition. Uh, and last in 2021, they acquired Tiffany. Yep. So if the sale with Bergdorf goes through, LVMH will literally own 57th Street to 59th Street on Fifth Avenue in New York City. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. And, and by the way, Shelley, Wells Fargo analysts, uh, said these uh, brands don't carry the panache of those in the stable of LVMH, which includes uh, you know, Louis Vuitton, uh, Dior, Fendi, Givenchy, and uh, Tiffany, as you mentioned before, and, uh, among others. Um, and in particular, Michael Kors, and even these days, Versace, are not the height of luxury, just period. Um uh versace maybe but by the way but they're very niche uh, so far um and um these statements by the way were made by Kristen bents president of uh, kb <coughs> advisory mm. group who also called the deal a very interesting <laughs> acquisition at a very interesting time mm. uh, that's sure what that means but um anyway i don't necessarily think that lvmh Oh, this, yeah, she went on to say this quote. Um, I don't necessarily think that LVMH, as the 800 pound gorilla, was the motivator for the tapestry uh, move. I don't think having a Michael Kors or a Versace underneath the LVMH brand stable would fly. And this is going to sound very French of me, but they would never. <laughs> <laughs> so it, you know, she she's something else mm-hmm. it tells us that um since these brands are maybe not even aspirational luxury um they are faux luxury at best huh. and in my opinion likely just plain old mainstream brands hate to well, say it but that's what i think
1: <laughs> <laughs> well i mean uh Tapestry and Capri are not focused on luxury. You know, some would say it's high fashion. But even with that said, because they run such a massive outlet business, Coach has outlet, Kate Spade has outlets, Weissman yeah. has outlets. Yeah. Robin, I'm agreeing with you. I think they're more mainstream to your point. So here's here's a question. Will the new company further dilute Michael Kors or downgrade Jimmy Choo and Versace?
0: Um. Yes. Yes. And yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I can't be too cynical here, but I can't help myself. Anyway, well, you know, I believe that um, uh, Rat, uh Joanne uh, likely does understand. She, I'm sure she understands what defines true luxury, but I would question how she classifies Coach and Michael Kors, both of which will comprise the majority share of of revenues in in the uh, new combined company. In my opinion, these two brands lost their luxury positioning years ago, both driving their brands into ubiquity um, with roughly 70%, as I said before, of their revenues coming from outlet stores um at that one point. You know, and ubiquity is um ubiquitous fashion, ubiquitous luxury is an actually moron. <laughs> <laughs> anyway.
1: It is. I mean, <sighs> coach, coach represented three quarters of the total sales uh for physical 2023 mm. for tapestry. They just closed their books, you know, a few weeks ago in August, two weeks ago. And like you said, a large percent of that is outlet. So the other call out with the merger of these brands, these two big houses of brands, it's heavily reliant on accessories, which will be 67% of the business. And shoes is going to be 15%. Yeah, Apparel, the apparel part will be about 10%. So there's just not enough product diversification of offerings or differentiation.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. So uh, I don't know, Shelly. What do they get other than an immediate bump, you know, with the acquisition of Capri and an estimated, by them, not necessarily us, <laughs> synergy <laughs> savings over three years of two hundred million dollars? So Robin, they say.
1: Robin, Robin, I got to jump <laughs> in here for a second. Okay. So this, I this two hundred million dollars savings, it's not immediate. And they're going to be lucky if they can implement processes to make this happen in three years. It's very complex to integrate systems in a merger of companies, but to try to get these immediate operational efficiencies, it's going to be a challenge. And I, not to keep bringing up LVMH, who has mastered this strategy with tremendous scale advantages from marketing, operations, culture, Not to mention hiring and retaining great people. There's so many opportunities for people to grow within LVMH. So, but it works because for LVMH, it works because the overriding brand of LVMH is synergistic. When you look at, you know, Tapestry and Capri, they're just not synergistic yet. And who knows if cultures will clash.
0: Yeah. And also, Shelly. You have the same people running the new business, the new combined business uh, for Tapestry and Capri, which really has not been able to to compete with the luxury brands mentioned. Neither company has seen uh, resounding success with all of their acquired brands, Kate Spade, Jimmy Choo, Stuart Wiseman, Versace, slow growth and challenged margins. So. How will acquiring more brands bring them to the luxury empire they are looking to build? Forget about it, Shelley. First of all, <laughs> the combined company has only two questionable luxury brands at this point, and that's Jimmy Choo and Versace. Yeah, they started out as luxury and but they're very just too small. They are very niche brands at this point. So in my opinion for them to scale into the major luxury field i think it'll be near impossible and and i and i think they're going to have enough debt issues um that will make it uh, impossible to acquire their way into a luxury quote unquote empire <laughs>
1: Well, you're absolutely right, Robin. Both companies provided lackluster growth during the past few years. So, if you look at the pro forma revenue uh, cumulative uh, growth, it was 3% between physical year 18, physical year 23. So, the two, both companies combined grew 3%. Hmm. If you look at the individual companies, Tapestry grew 2.5% and Capri was slightly better at 3.5%. Yeah. And if you compare that to LVMH grew it 14% for the same time. Richemont yeah. grew it nearly 13% and Kering grew it double digit pace. So all of this analysis which was done by Yuval Rodem of Seeking Alpha, he did an excellent job breaking down all the financials. So yeah. uh yeah
0: Well, is there anything about this combo that will elevate them out of the everyday struggle of just ordinary brands?
1: I don't know. At the end of the day, Robin, the brands are, like you said, they're just mainstream. I hope Versace (laughs) and Jimmy Choo really stay luxury. Um, And Yuval, the guy from Seeking Alpha, he -hmm. said, and I like the way he said this, you know, Tapestry is trying to fix its own problems by acquiring another problematic asset. It doesn't usually turn out well as according to both studies, ready Robin? 70% to 90% of acquisitions fail.
0: What a number. I, I did not know that. Amazing. Yeah,
1: it's huge. And then here's another number that's gonna knock you off your chair there. Following the acquisition, Tapestry's net depth should amount to approximately $9 billion. Well, there you go. So yeah. that debt, that's going to be hard unless they can truly hit the ground running in terms of a turnaround. My eight ball says not likely.
0: <laughs> Your eight ball? <laughs> well, I you literally know.
1: have an eight ball. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, the the timing is tough too. With the US markets down in discretionary spending, and consumers are really becoming more cautious uh about spending you know which we've heard that from several companies and several retailers as well so uh, 61% of the combined brands sales are in the americas by the way so uh the international expansion will be a key growth strategy for them um and i think that may be one area of Positive, uh, you know, positive results for them if they go about it right. Anyway, I also read they want uh, to focus on the DTC side, uh, direct to consumer side of the right. business. But it's but the DTC is already at seventy nine percent of the total group's business. Interesting. You know, yeah. I mean, they should fix that the department store problem where sales have been uh, reportedly down for Jimmy Choo and Versace and you know over a couple last couple of years Charlie you and I have talked about the importance of the balance between direct to consumer and retail partners so they got to get that wholesale part of their business uh, or the partnership side of the business with retailers they got to get that straightened out anyway um at the end of the day, Shelly, uh, this acquisition may be a short-term financial deal, but certainly not a long-term strategic deal. As we said, this is a 3 plus 3 deal that does not equal 6. Just saying.
1: <laughs> Great way to end our podcast, Rob. Oh, yeah. For our listeners, you can find more of our podcasts on Apple, Spotify, Buzzsprout, and therobinreport.com. And please follow us on social media. Link in with us for the latest thoughts about the industry.
0: And I'd like to say thanks again to everybody that joined us today. And if any of you have topics that you would like Shelly and I to cover, uh, just send me an email at robin at com. Thanks again.